why we must proclaim the gospel. And we're turning to Romans chapter 10, please. And the verse 8. Romans chapter 10, the verse 8. And the Lord's will will return to Philippians next week. But I just felt with this being our first evening coming up of our special gospel efforts that we would have a thing about the importance of the gospel and why we should each be proclaiming it to all that we encounter. Romans chapter 10, please, and the verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And why shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. One other reading found in Romans 1, please. Romans 1, and the verse 16. This is one you will know well. So often quoted from pulpits. Romans 1, and the verse 16. <coughs> For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This is the most life-transforming message that has ever been placed in the hands of men. And if we are to fully grasp what has been read in these verses, and subsequently moved into action, I believe that time and eternity will be open. I wonder, dear believer, this afternoon, is your life marked by this statement that we've just read? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is it your conviction? Would you do whatever it takes to share this life transforming message with all that you come across. The sad reality for many this afternoon is that many of God's people are no longer convicted about sharing the gospel. I wonder, is that you? You see, throughout 212 years of Baptist witness here in Grange, 
We can be sure that through the years our brothers and sisters in Christ have shared the gospel with conviction. And they weren't ashamed of the gospel and they proclaimed it. The local church that we sit in today was founded in 1811 and is one of the oldest surviving Baptist churches in the country. And to God be the glory for that. And it's God who sustains the your place and the assembling of his people. And never forget to give the Lord praise that the gospel light is still shining here in the greens. But we must ask, what is a church founded on? The gospel. How does a church grow? The gospel. To whom does the church belong? Christ. And what has he instructed each and every one of us to do individually and as an assembly? He instructs us to proclaim the gospel. Now I want to very quickly dispel a myth, and it's this. That it's only the pastor and the elders and church leadership's job to preach and teach the gospel. Every single one of us, we all have a responsibility. So this afternoon we're considering this title, Why We Must Proclaim the Gospel. You know, praise God for faithful pastors and evangelists who have through the years proclaimed the gospel in this country. Praise God for their boldness, not just to preach the gospel in the church, but to obey the express command to step outside the church door and to go into all the world. And I know this local church has had many faithful pastors who have led Met out many gospel efforts down through the years. And for some here this afternoon, you can turn back to time and you can remember the faithful ministry of older saints who have passed on and gone to glory. And maybe some of them under their ministry, that as you listen to them and you realize your sin, you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should praise God for the faithfulness of brothers and sisters who have passed. But the responsibility now falls to you. And it now falls to me to go out and proclaim the gospel to these streets around us, to this area around us, to be proclaiming the gospel among our families, to be proclaiming the gospel among our friends, to be proclaiming the gospel among our work colleagues. It's our responsibility. And it falls to you and it falls to I. And it should be a priority for each of us in each day of our lives to be gossiping the gospel of Christ to all that we encounter. Why is this such an important message? Well, I let me suggest, first of all, that we need to think of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. I want you to quickly consider what Paul is saying in Romans 1.16. He says, I'm not ashamed. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul's intention was to go to Rome, where we're reading, and he was going to share the gospel. And there in Rome, there was all the learned intellects and all the philosophers there of Rome. They didn't intimidate Paul. And no matter what people said to him, he wasn't ashamed. He was pleased to share the gospel. He was overjoyed at the privilege of proclamation. He was absolutely eager to preach Jesus Christ. And you know, there's a lovely verse, and it's, it's found at the beginning of Acts. And it speaks of the early church, the early believers, in the very early days when the church of Christ had been born. And it says this, They did not cease to teach and preach 
Jesus Christ. I wonder is that your individual testimony? They did not cease to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Even though the gospel was a stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Gentile, Paul believed that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. And Paul wasn't hesitant to preach it. Do you remember what Paul went through in many places just to share the gospel? He was in prison. He was chased out of Thessalonica. He was smuggled in Berea. He was laughed at in Athens. He was seen as a fool in Corinth. He was nothing but an arrogant in Jerusalem. He was stoned while in Galatia. And yet, still, he was eager to preach the gospel in Rome. Why? Paul, look at all you've been through. Is it really worth it? And let's be honest with ourselves today. All of us who are saved, we would like to be able to identify with Paul in the same way. We'd like to say, well, if I'd been through all that, I'd keep going. But the fact is, often we're ashamed of, of the gospel of Christ. And I know what you may say, oh, I don't think we would want to confess that. I don't think it would be easy to admit that. But there are times when we could speak, and we don't. And there's times when we could be bold, but we stay quiet. And you know, we're worried about the hostility of the world. We're worried about how the gospel it is an offensive message to a sinner. It talks about sin. It talks about blood. It talks about death. It talks about hell. And people look at us and they think we're so foolish and silly. And we can be afraid of what they might think. And so we tend just to say, stay silent and we don't speak. And Paul, he calmly viewed the disdain of the unbelievers. He understood the contempt and ridicule of those who rejected Christ. And he faced death for the gospel, but never once did he become ashamed of Christ. Timothy did. But Paul didn't. Paul would face anybody any time he would preach Christ. And in the Lord's will this evening, we begin the first of many special gospel efforts that we've planned throughout this year. A special opportunity to invite friends and family to hear the gospel. To hear this life-changing message. And throughout this year, there will be opportunities to hear life stories in the Lord's will. Lives that Christ has saved. Lives that Christ has turned around. And some of the people that you might approach as we go out and we make special efforts in the Greens and further out, some of the people that you knock on door that might oppose you. And it might cause you to be afraid to approach them. But the Lord calls us to be bold in our efforts to reach people with the gospel. And God wants to reach all people, even those who oppose us. You see, it's not the will of the Father that any should perish. God loves, are you listening? God loves the militant atheist who will debate with you about the Lord. But they need to hear the gospel. People need Christ and people need the Lord and he can save them no matter who they are. We read of the hard heart being changed to a heart of flesh. In other words, what scripture means by that is that God can smash a hard heart. 
And he can save a hard heart. The one who we think it is impossible to see saved in one for Christ. We can pray and we can witness to them. And the Lord can use that witness to save them by his spirit. Why was Paul willing to share this message to the point that he was willing to die for? Well, the good news is about the power of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you know the word Paul uses here? It's, it's dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite from. And Paul has in mind the fact that the gospel of Christ, it, it carries with it the omnipotence of God. It carries with it the full power of our God. The, the God who spoke all things into existence. The, the God who, who spoke all things and by the power of his word. The, the gospel carries that same power. It's got the full power of God behind it. And it's operative in regenerating a person. People are always trying to change themselves. Really, all advertising that goes out in this world is based on one presupposition, and it's that people want to be different than what they are. And the grass is always greener on the other side. They want to look better. They want to feel better. They want to think better. They want to have better experiences. And basically, people in this world, they just want more. They want better lives. And there's an appeal to that because it's the basic human drive. And people will look for answers and all manner of things. But the Bible says that those who come and believe, that indeed they will be fully satisfied. It's only Christ who can satisfy the soul. The Bible says that the world out there and those in their sin, that they'll strive to do things with the deeds of the law, they'll try to win their way and work their way to goodness. But the Bible says that their flesh cannot see it. And the Bible says that the church cannot see. But wonder, did you know the Baptist church can't see it? It's not a denomination. It's only Christ that can see. Neither is there a salvation in any other. For there is none other name given under heaven, given among, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And our business here below is to be in Christ now. And our business here below is to proclaim his name to all we encounter. Who's going to tell people that? Then we read in our first reading, how shall they hear unless we tell them? And these special gospel efforts throughout the year are going to be a tool to engage in gospel conversations as me and my friends and family and God. And as we tell people of the hope that's in us. <coughs> You know, some people will try and tell you that the preaching of the gospel the way we do it on a Sunday night out of day. I completely disagree. And I'll continue to preach Christ. And I'll continue to preach that he shed his precious blood for the sinner. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. You know, let me say to you, we should make every effort around the country and some eight nights. The numbers in church fellowships will be full maybe on a Sunday morning and the numbers drop. Let me encourage you to be out and supporting the gospel meeting. Especially if you have children or teens. Because let me tell you something. This world has your children's ear. The television. The schools. 
the artworks, social media. All of these things influence them, but what greater influence can it be than you for to happen along out of the evening meeting, out of church? There's a billboard in America that states this. It says, those who think church is optional may raise children who think God is optional. And when the children go wayward in the future, or won't attend the meetings, or leave the church completely, I've heard many wondering why. But maybe they are left wondering why I wish I'd done more. And what's more, as saved people, we ought to love hearing the gospel ourselves. There's a quote I read that says, The basis of Christian growth is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed over and over and over and over. There's the, the hymn writer wrote, I love to tell the story for those who know it best. That's you and I. Because they seem hungry and thirsty to hear it like a red. Do you hunger and thirst to hear the gospel like the red? I wonder will you be found inviting people although we have an effort every Sunday night. Okay, there's special efforts and we're so pleased that many of you have invited friends to come along this evening. But use this as a lunch pad. And invite them to come along on Sunday evenings to hear this life-changing message and pray. <coughs> pray that the Lord will move in their heart. Pray that the Lord will convict them of their sin. Pray that the Lord will save them. Which means sometimes you might have to put yourself out to do good for people. You might have to offer a lift. You might have to have them round for a cup of tea before the meeting or after the meeting. You know, there's so many of us. Me included. And we're driving our cars. And we're driving with empty seats. Could we not try and fill them and bring them along to the gospel? And they're not people that we can invite and put in those seats and bring them along to hear this life-changing message, this powerful message. Because only the power of the gospel can change people. Now we don't need to bring them just to the gospel meeting. We can share it ourselves. But this is dynamite power. It completely changes a person's life. It's not my message, and it's not your message that we preach. It's God's message. Do you remember what Paul said? He said, Whoa, destruction is on to me. If I preach not the gospel, we want to proclaim the gospel. It's dynamite, it's dynamo power, it's power, it saves, it transforms, it takes a soul from on its way to a lost eternity, to on its way to heaven of God forever. It's powerful. But I also want you to see, not just that it is powerful, why must we proclaim the gospel? Because we're commanded to. We've been commanded to preach the gospel. The Lord Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need no other reason, Christ has said. Imagine the Lord Jesus willing to go and suffer on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Imagine him willing to suffer and die in your place and take the punishment for your sin. And you go completely free. The prison door has been opened. You've been free from the chains of your sin. Imagine all that and not being willing to go forth and tell this wonderful message. Go and tell the world the gospel says Christ. He saved you and surely we must listen. You know, I heard someone talking about the churches in our country 
They aren't sending out as many missionaries in these days into the world. And I believe that's because many members of the church are failing to be missionaries, if you like, in the place where God has planted them. If Christ was willing to go to the cross for you, I wonder are you willing to joyfully share the gospel message to those around you? One of the biggest problems in the church today is spiritual laziness. Let me tell you what it's like. You know, sometime when you're lazing on the sofa watching the TV, as many people do, and maybe you just can't be bothered doing anything, and then one of your closest friends phones you, uh, and you organise to go and do something you, you both absolutely love doing, and suddenly you're awakened out of your laziness. You know the feeling? You, you get excited, and you're energised about what you're going to go and do. Well, I would not like that with God's work. Well, why aren't we excited to share it? Because I can tell you the gospel and the sharing of it is the most exciting activity that anyone can be doing. I don't know, but a number of years ago in our home, they held the mission of the evangelist Roger Carsville. He used some of his tracks. And he's from Yorkshire. And he, he came over to preach. And, you know, as I watched him, what struck me about him, was he genuinely having excitement and a passion about sharing the gospel of Christ? He preached with a smile on his face as if his message meant something to him. And he spoke, to, he spoke about stories of going and walking up to people and having these wonderful conversations in the gospel. He was just such a gifted evangelist. But what struck me was he was constantly smiling. He was just so pleased to be seen. He was just so pleased to speak about his Saviour. I think so many of us could take from that example. To even just be folk who are smiling to be glad to be here. I think I'm safe to say because I don't live in Ireland anymore, but sometimes you all look at the space. And what could do with smiling? Because it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? It's good to be meet with God's people. It's good to be singing praises to me. It's great to meet around us where God speaks to us. We should be glad to come to the house of the Lord. So often we come in with glum faces. Oh, this again. We're meeting with God. And He's promised a special presence when His people gather. Oh, I trust that as we meet in this place, that as people see us in this place, that they will see that we're happy to be here, that they'll see we're glad to be saved. That there would be a smile on our face, that people would see that we're being of Christ and they would want what we have. And through that, we would proclaim the gospels, the power of God and the salvation. We're commanded to proclaim the gospel, but finally and very briefly, there's a cry from heaven. You'll remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus, I'm sure. Lazarus, who had everything in life, but didn't prepare for eternity. When the, rich, when, when the rich man was in hell, Lazarus had a, Lazarus, excuse me, the rich man had everything in but didn't prepare for eternity. When the rich man was in hell, he begged for Lazarus to warn his five brothers to get their lives to Christ. Because the rich man didn't want his family to end up where he was. Dear brothers and sisters this afternoon, there are people all around us and they're on their way to hell. 
And if we were able to walk through the dark caverns of hell today and listen to the cries of those who are there, they would be calling out the same thing. Go and tell my family about Christ. I don't want them to end up here. Tell them the need to go and get saved. Go and get them into the gospel meeting. Tell them. Go out into the streets and tell the family and friends, warn them. I'm sure a cancer doctor doesn't take delight in telling a person they have cancer, but it's necessary in order for treatment to begin. And I believe it's my duty to warn people that they're lost and that hell is real and it's the result of man's sin and rejection of the finished work of Christ. And you don't need, you can't seek a cure when you're sick until you know you're sick. And people need told that they're lost and on their way to a lost eternity. There's a cry from hell. Philip Annett is a man who led the work of CEF in Ireland for a time many years ago. And I remember attending training week, uh, CEF training week in 2013. And Philip was leading a session and it was called Reaching the Lost. And he described a poor attitude to running an outdoor fight vehicle with children. He said this. He says it's not about throwing out the blue map on the green and bring relief that your memory verse or your Bible lesson went well or that the club went well and on to the next location. Oh, but I want to say this, and it's something that's impacted my life and ministry ever since. He said, many of the children sat in your mat are on their way to hell. And God has given you the responsibility of sharing the gospel with them. Dear believer, the same is for those who are all around us that we pass by each day. We're on our way to a lost eternity. And we need not be ashamed. Because we are on our way to heaven. And we need not be ashamed of this message because it's transformed our lives. You know, I would be ashamed for someone to stand in hell today <coughs> and be able to say to me, but Peter, you never told me. You never told me. We must proclaim the gospel because it's the power of God on the salvation. Because we're commanded to. There's a cry from hell. Can I ask you, the believers in Green's Baptist this afternoon, that this year you would make it a year that you strive, strive to share the gospel. And there's no doubt that we are in the last days. And it's time to unite our efforts and work together <coughs> while it's day, for the night comes when no man can work.